Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I'm Dion Brown. This is Man Versus Brand. I am here with Chris Miles, and I'm going to do my introduction that I always do for my audio now that we're recording for this visual, right? So it's an interesting thing when we give ourselves permission to start over. And by start over, I mean that there are opportunities wherein we may not grasp that thing in that moment because it's not the right time for us. It's not timely. It's not relevant. It may be that other life things are happening. And so I have Chris here because uh, we connected over this conversation about restarting, right? And not just restarting, restarting with a sense of greater purpose, right? That knowing that the thing that you have divorced yourself from, you have the right to return to and not just the right to return to it. It might be in your best interest to do so. So I'm going to talk to him about not only his content creation and affiliate marketing and, and what he's doing in terms of workshopping and supporting people um, to, to produce their best content and to monetize it and create passive income, but also what it took to make the pivot from where he started to where he's at now, and then to determine what's next in the future. All right, guys. So I want you guys to enjoy the conversation we're about to have. In five, four, three, two, one. One of the greatest philosophers of our time once said that when it's up, then it's stuck. Find out how to make your next big idea stick with Dion Brown and his podcast. With 20 years of experience in growing and managing businesses and brands at the highest level, Dion is having the conversations that you are looking for. Welcome and have a great time. This is Chris Miles. Chris, what's going on, brother? What's going on, man? Thanks so much for having me on, Dion. It's a real pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me. Um, let's start here. A lot of your branded material says Benji's dad. Yeah. Right. So, so where does that come from? All right, man. That's a loaded question right there, man. So yeah, we're here for it. We're here for it. We're here for loaded questions. Awesome. So um, when I first started uh, my brand, I guess you can say, um, I had no idea where to go or what to do with it. Um, I was kind of backed up against a wall at a time because, uh, you know, it was just my me and my wife at the very beginning. And we had jobs, but they weren't the greatest jobs in the world. They were those just over broke type jobs where we were making just enough to kind of just stay above water. But then we found out that we were um, pregnant with our first son. And when he popped up, it was my wife sat me down and said, hey, we need to figure out a way so that I can you know, stay home with him. And I remember thinking to myself, we can't afford that like at all. Um, you got to at least work part time or something. But she sat me down, looked me square in the eye, Dion, and said, you need to figure this out. So I had to put on my big boy pants really quickly. So one, yeah, one of the things that I did was I tried a whole bunch of stuff and a lot of it didn't work. Um, I did eventually stumble upon um, what I'm doing now with the blogging and affiliate marketing. And uh, because I had a new responsibility, uh, I, I couldn't fail kind of a thing. I stuck with it until I figured it out. And, uh, you know, about a year and a half or so later, I was making enough money for her to quit. And then about two years later, I went ahead and did it. And uh, it's been like that now for about about four years or so. Um, we've been doing this full time. And uh, man, I've been able to see my son grow up and everything. And when we were trying to come up with the name for the brand, it was just going to be, you know, Chris Miles at first or, you know, what kind of catchy name could we come up with? And she says, why don't you just be Benji's dad? And I was like, that's not a bad idea because it works great. So now when people see the moniker or the brand name, they say Benji's daddy, it's an inherent question because they're like, well, well, who's Benji? All right. And then they can immediately go into, you know, where he is, who he is and him being my son. And he's the reason why this whole thing got started. And honestly was successful, <laughs> you know, it, it's because of him. So now the whole business is basically named after him. So I love it. Um, I think that that's a, a pretty compelling story for why the brand is what the brand is, right? And um, there's some 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 things that I think would be interesting to uh, investigate in at least in the opening uh, of your story. So you said that you sort of fell into affiliate 
content blogging, right? Uh, what was yeah. your aspiration prior to that? Like, what did you think you were going to get into um, and that you ultimately sort of fell into this space? Yeah, well, I'm ultimately a starter. Some people can call it a serial entrepreneur. I've done all types of different businesses, literally leading up to when we first started this back when my son was born. But none of them worked. At least they didn't work to the point to where it was advantageous to continue working on them. It wasn't making enough money for it to justify the time that I was putting into it. And I mean, I tried everything, man. I used to I moonlit as a DJ at times. Um, I bought and sold computers on eBay, bought and sold clothes on eBay. Um, I When I finally was like, okay, I got to find something that's not going to take a ton of time away from the family because I, I didn't want to get a second job and then be away from them more, right? So when I finally stumbled upon just, oh, you can make money online, you know, this sounds kind of weird, kind of kind of, kind of like not normal. So I Googled how to make money online and I stumbled across a lot of trash. Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff that's just was just going to suck your time, like surveys and micro jobs. Wait, Chris, and... let me just, just to framework this. Sorry, to yeah. talk, but what year is this, right? Because you said when he's born, oh, yeah. I don't really have a clear idea of when that time frame is. So how long ago was this? He was born in 2017. Okay. But we found out he was pregnant, obviously, around nine months before that. So around spring of 2016. 2016. All right, is, cool. So the yeah, internet, is, it was, it's not like Benji's 20 and the internet no. was just sort of developing. This is a moment where like, um, online space um, was was there. There was just a lot of white noise around what you could actually do to make sustainable income versus exactly. a bunch of scams. Just to put it out there, just so that we get a, a good framework for time. No, that's a great frame because it, there's a lot of good stuff out there right now, but it's and it's still kind of even today, still quote unquote the wild west a little bit when it comes to certain. Uh, things online but in 2016 it definitely was the wild west people were just you know grabbing and grabbing at every opportunity to try to make money even if it didn't help somebody just because they were going to get a few bucks off the back of it they didn't care what they promoted to other people i remember buying courses that didn't work at all or that the person who claimed that they were going to be there wasn't there and all of that like ridiculousness and they just took the money and ran so there's been instances where I've lost, you know, a decent amount of money trying to figure out one thing. But the cool thing about this business model is that it only needs to work once. You know, once you finally get it and it works once, it usually just covers over uh, a multitude of sins. I guess you could say that might happen in the past. So, yeah, there, there's a book um, that I really appreciate called Predictable Success. Um, and in the book, uh, it, it what's discussed, and I think it's Les McCowan, um, what's discussed is this idea that, you know, it's the moment in which you can repeat that success consistently that you, um, that you're in a really good space, right? Uh, that's just like a, a very broad, simplified version, but it also speaks to, I think, why so many ventures fail specifically, um, for non-funded startups or entrepreneurial endeavors is that folks just don't spend enough time getting to the point of success and then constantly growing and scaling that success and repeating what they did over and over again. Right. Because it's, it's, it tends to be, I think um, more likely that someone starts something, they bring it to market. They don't see a lot of success in it. And then they abandon that thing for something else rather than iterating it to the point that it does become um, revenue producing. And then from there, scaling that same thing and repeating that success over and over again. Would you agree? 100%. Man, there's, and this is actually one thing I've noticed across a lot of different industries is that people usually have a shelf life of something new for around three to four months. It just it just seems to work out that way. That first month, you're excited about it, you're working on it, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're telling everybody about it. The second month, you're kind of getting into the grind and you're still working hard. That third month, it starts to get a little tough because you might not be seeing what you thought you would have been seeing, like in terms of revenue or an in, in income. And you're like, man, I've, put a, I've done this for two and a half months and I've still made nothing or I've only made 75 cents or something like that. 
And then that fourth month is usually when people are going to give up. But with most endeavors online, especially like your decent ones, um, you're going to be successful with it as long as you don't give up. If it gets to the part where you're, it gets hard, that's where most people stop. But what you need to do in that situation is figure out what's hard about it and then overcome that hurdle. And then you continue moving forward. And by doing that and not giving up, you really can, you know, I think the old saying is uh, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. That's, I think that's just true. There's a lot of things that can be done if just us not getting in our heads, stopping us from being successful because it got hard. Now, just because it got hard doesn't mean we stop. It means we figure it out and keep pushing. I think uh, to your point, there there's two other things that I think also happen. Um, starting a new venture project idea for a lot of individuals will be a lonely, isolating process, right? Like you're just kind of, sure. just kind of getting it done. Right. And so if you're looking for some level of approval, some level of like a, a nod to say that you're doing a good job, especially when you're in the thick of it, then um, you may abandon it because you haven't really given yourself time to get it to the right audience to give you the necessary feedback, right? Family, friends, they're, they're support you because they love you, but doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to check in on the project every day. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of huge, huge businesses that started in someone's garage, right? I believe Amazon started in a garage. It's Jeff Bezos. And I remember seeing a picture. It's just a, him with like a, a sheet that has Amazon on it. <laughs> it was yeah, basically yeah. how the business started and then look at where it is today. But he was in there alone by himself. And it's the same difference with almost any business, but especially online businesses, because what we're trying to do actually just rails against the norm so much that sometimes we will get a lot of you know, negative feedback from family and friends wondering why we're sitting in front of our computer all the time. You know, that feedback loop is very slow online as well, because you might go out there, especially if it's a podcast, YouTube, blog, whatever you're doing, you're going to be creating content to a ghost town for a while. So you have to be okay with just doing it because you're not going to get that immediate feedback loop like you would by, you know, going and working a nine to five and then getting paid in two weeks. You know, that's going to happen. But when you're building something that sometimes might be bigger than you, then usually it's a better uh, uh, it's better for you to continue pushing forward with it, especially if you like it and just you're totally fed up with maybe your prior situation or that you need to get something done, because that's very similar to the situation that I was in. I needed to get this working. I had other businesses before, but when I had this different motivation of, of my son and my wife, you know, wanting to give him mommy care rather than daycare, then I didn't have any other option but to figure it out and put, keep pushing forward. Yeah. The the other thing I think, too, that's interesting is that um, we also socialize the people around us um, to treat us in the ways in which they do. So, right. So if every four months I'm coming up with a new idea, then you may not be invested in my idea anymore because every exactly. four months I'm coming up with a new idea, so right? New. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just gonna. All right, cool. That sounds awesome. Like, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to satisfy your need for me to be excited about this. But internally, as a person who is receiving consistent shifts in what you're doing, I may not have the emotional investment that you might require of me because. I think that this is going to be a short-term endeavor, right? And so it's interesting too that uh, another part of this is that you may, if you are doing a lot of shifts and announcing a lot of shifts, that you may be socializing your network to not be invested in you in the way that you want them to and that they're really just going to be looking for proof of life. Like once you pass the eight-month mark, they're like, okay, we're in with you, right? But before that moment, everyone's a little suspicious and cautious of the buy-in because they don't know if this thing is going to be long-term or if it's just a move that you're in. Yeah, and I think it's you have to also important to note that 
it usually comes from a good place as well, especially from our family. They don't want to see us struggle, you know, in most situations. They don't want to see us not be successful. And if we're trying to do something and we're constantly bumping our heads, they might say, why don't you just go get a job or go go give it up and do what normal people do? But, you know, especially us as entrepreneurs, we're just wired differently, you know, and we have to uh, just plug in and understand what it is that we're doing might not get immediate uh, uh, you know, from our family or whatever, anything immediate from them, which is why I love, see, I'm a knowledge junkie, Dion, and I just love the fact that I can put on a podcast, I can join a forum or a Facebook group where there's other like-minded people who are trying to do the same thing. And in most instances, there's tons of people in there who are way past where I am. So I can change, you know, the average of the five people that I hang out with just by simply involving myself in those places so that I can start thinking differently. Yeah, I mean, uh, forums are great. Uh, Facebook groups are great. LinkedIn groups are great. Um, uh, pitch sessions are great, right? You want to figure out how to like consolidate your idea and get with other entrepreneurs that are trying to launch businesses. Yeah. Sitting on a pitch meeting, man, that thing will change your life in not only hearing really great ideas, but also um, experiencing other people's questions, thoughts, excitement around what they're actually launching. Yeah. Right, cool, man. Sure. So listen, so listen, let's talk about this. So your wife is like, man, I'm not doing this work stuff. I got a baby. I love this baby. This baby's going to be good. We're going to teach this baby everything that's going that the baby needs to know. Benji is going to be awesome. You're like, I need uh, to figure something out, right? I need yeah. to figure something out. She looked me in the eye. She was serious. I haven't seen that look since, you know, the wedding when she was like to have and to hold sickness yeah. and health. Right. So so you're like, man, where do I start? So so what. So when you were searching for opportunities online mm -hmm. and you said that you fell into affiliate content creation blogging, describe what fell looked like for you in that experience. Yeah. So I did what most people do. I went online and Googled how to make money online. That's just usually you know, almost a rite of passage at this point with for a lot of people when trying to figure this whole thing out. And um, like I said, I came across a lot of stuff. I tried uh, different types of um, mechanical Turk, which is like a Amazon thing where you have to do certain jobs. And I would do it. I remember I was testing websites at one point where they would pay you to literally look at a website and tell you what's wrong with it or what you're, what you think is wrong with it so that they could further optimize it. I would do that, but only get paid like three bucks. And I had to spend half an hour to an hour to review the site. So it, it was a lot of labor intense type stuff, but I wasn't getting the monetary return and I was making worse money than if I was working a regular job at the point at that time. So I remember going online and I, I think I came to uh, YouTube or whatever, and I came across this guy. He's called the Lazy Stoner. All right. That, that's what he was on YouTube. That was his whole little moniker. And it's, it's him like in a picture and he's like smoking and all of this stuff. And he's just saying how great it is to make money with affiliate marketing. And I was like, what is this guy doing? All right. So I started watching a few of his, his videos and the guy is like a complete like kind of very slow with his voice and saying, man, you can do this very West coast. you know. And it's just the way he was doing it was like, but then he's saying how much money he was making by just creating a blog and then, you know, uh, uh, you know, putting content out there, joining an affiliate program, and then you just get the traffic and it's just that simple. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm not saying that I, I didn't want to like, you know, kind of poo poo on his intelligence or anything. He was a smart guy for what he was doing. But the way he came across, I was like, I know I'm smarter than that guy. I, I know I am. If he can do it, I know I can do it. So I went through the whole process and I watched, I binged on all of his videos and I actually created my own site using pretty much everything that he said to do. And I remember I worked for probably a couple of weeks just getting articles up there, getting the website created. Website was finally created. I hit publish and I sat there and crossed my arms and I just waited and I waited and I waited some more. Not a single person landed on the website. In wait, fact, wait, wait, wait. I was like, go ahead. Did you did you then realize that you needed to get stoned in order for this process <laughs> to not feel so timely? Maybe that's the key. That's the, that the key. that you're missing, right? Like, you know, at the time, I didn't think about that. Easier. <laughs> 
if you just had a little, right? I'm not a little, a, yeah, a, a, a little something. You know, I'm going to be honest, it didn't cross my mind <laughs> at the time. I was just like, if he could do it stone, I can definitely do it sober, right? <laughs> it's kind of what I was going through. I was fast, and then you were like, man. <laughs> this is tough, you know? So, uh, man, I followed some of the wrong things. Um, okay. I remember I I borrowed, quote unquote, a couple of uh, articles from other websites that I found. And um, I put them out there. And eventually, Google caught up with me. And they ended up taking my site. They was called de-indexing. They took my site completely out of Google because they noticed that I was just copying content from other websites. Yep. So I completely crashed and burned with blogging, like right there. <laughs> I wasted time. I wasted money. And I was like, okay, great. I'm back here at square one. So after that whole process, you know, I kept watching videos. And you know how YouTube is. They suggest other videos that are like that video. So then I ran into a couple of other people that were a little more, um, I crammed across and was like, okay, they look a little bit more legitimate. Oh, this guy has a family. Okay, he's actually doing this. Started listening to podcasts more, seeing other people who had some success in the affiliate marketing blogging space. And I was like, okay, this is a real industry. This isn't just a, you know, a one-off thing that this lazy stoner guy was talking about. So I was like, okay, well, let me just give this a legitimate try. So this time, I actually found a person that I trusted, and I bought their course. I followed their course literally to the T, and I remember making my first commission about three and a half, four months in of $23. And I was like, wow, I took something that didn't exist. The website was nothing before, and it just generated about 20 bucks. That might not seem like a lot, but for me, that's when the light bulb really went off. Because I was like, now, are you working and your wife's working at this point? Because 23 yeah, they're, they're still three months is that, that were you sleeping in a car? Like, what, what was your lifestyle like? Like in the, in that time frame while you're testing, because I think it's important that people, right? We yeah. like to look at the, we like to we like to discuss the end results, right? But but there, I think that there's something really powerful in just in in, in really defining the journey and, and putting a name to it. Because I think other people that are like, I'm going to leave my job today and start blogging, right? You need to know that it's going to come with some some cost and sacrifice. Yeah, well, leaving your job and blogging is irresponsible, okay? <laughs> you shouldn't do that, at least not immediately. Wait yeah. until you have the income coming in. But that's a whole other story for another day. But um, no, the situation we were in was um, we were just kind of keeping our heads above water, right? Yeah. We were making just enough money to kind of pay the bills. She was still working at the time. She was pregnant, but she was still working at the time. And we just had, you know, we were one of those things where one bad accident, one mishap with the house or something like that, you know, I think there's an old, I think there's a statistic out there that says that 90 or so or seven, I don't, I don't know, remember exactly, but like 80 or 90% of people cannot afford a $1,000 emergency, right? And that's like where we were, if not worse. You know, I was around $30,000 or so in credit card debt at the time as well, like bad credit card debt and just making the minimum payments, you know, and you make a minimum payment on a credit card that's got a $20,000 balance on it, you're only like chipping off you know, $15, you know? <laughs> so it was, it was tough. So like it was weighing on me in terms of how am I going to provide for this family as well as pay back these debts that I had literally been carrying for years, school debts I had as well. You know, it was just, it was really like intense in terms of how am I not going to lose everything? I, I mean, I remember even contemplating bankruptcy at one point, it's just thinking, just give me a clean slate. But even then the school loans don't go anywhere. Right. So it's, it, it was we were in a tough spot. So on top of all of this is it's funny now that I think about it. That's not really what the great motivating factor was. It was when my wife told me that she wanted to figure this out and I needed to do this for our family. It's when I finally was like, OK, I need to make something happen. Well, Paul, so, there, there, there's still some there's still some sense of you got to wake up every day. You got to look at this woman. She's going to work. You're trying to figure this out. You look at yourself in the mirror what was affirming you in those moments? What were the things that you were saying to yourself? What was this, the things that you were consuming that maybe wasn't transactional to affiliate marketing, but just mindset, right? Because it takes uh, it takes fortification of your own mind to, to see yourself not as the situation you're in, but in to see yourself as that future person that has actually succeeded and has the capacity to fully take care of your family and actualize this dream of, of self 
uh, sufficient income production. So what were you doing to like make yourself okay when you woke up in the morning and you had to hit the, 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 um, the forums and the chats and um, the YouTube clips uh, and the, the podcast, what were you doing to fortify your own mindset? Yeah. So that's, huge that is probably one of the bigger things that a lot of people struggle with it's because we don't have these external forces like maybe our family and stuff maybe not understand what it is that i was trying to do what you might be trying to do with whoever you know trying to build a business you're not going to always get that positive reinforcement even though their intentions may be good so i had to reach out to other places thankfully the training that i had purchased had a community with it had people who had been doing this for years had people who are just getting started and were starting to have success and um they they had a forum and they had a part of the forum that was it, it was tagged with success stories and there was literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them there so anytime i felt like okay i'm done i'm giving up i went and started reading some of those success stories those success stories is what kept me going because it made me realize that okay I can do this. Other people are doing this. I'm not some lone person trying to just pave this brand new path. It is something that can be done. You just have to put your mind to it. I was, um, I remember asking so many people, you know, what's the secret sauce? What are you, what are you doing to be successful with this? How come it's working for you? Am I doing this right? Look at my site. Does it look like it's on the right path? I was doing all of that randomness and people would look at it and they'd be like, dude, you're doing fine. You actually did better than I did last month. Just keep pushing. I was like, oh, Okay. All right. Nice. You know, so I realized that there is no secret sauce. The secret sauce is just to buckle down and do the work. And so once I, I sat down and realized that with, I just needed to create the articles, that's when things started really taking off. So how do you feel about performative success um, as it's been sort of populated in the IG, YouTube, TikTok streaming space? versus what you got in sort of these testimonials? Like, how do you feel about, you know, the person holding up the check being like, I made this much money. And like, do you think that that's inspirational and aspirational? Um, do you think that it positively contributes to people who want to do things like uh, flip houses or, you know, get into investment opportunities? What do you feel about that? I hate those. Okay, I hate every single one of them. Um, I'm a different uh, demographic, I guess you can say, right? And I don't just mean, you know, just color of skin stuff. I mean, like, I was older. I, you know, had married, already had a, had a stable job, had a kid on the way. You know, I think a lot of those flashy showing, you know, the scantily clad women, the cars flashing up the checks and all of that fun stuff. I think that's really geared toward you know, people in their late teens, early 20s who are just looking to do anything. But that wasn't talking to me because I, I mean, I'm I'm a skeptic in a lot of situations. And I remember thinking, yeah, that all of that stuff either isn't real. They're just trying to reel you in and and all of that kind of thing. What really got me was when I started listening to some podcasts and listening to people who were family guys, who were uh, uh, heads of their households. And they were still figuring this stuff out. I remember one story in particular. A guy said, this is my normal day. I wake up in the morning. I get the kids ready so that my wife can sleep in. And um, I get them ready for school. I make sure they get breakfast. They go to there. And then I come home at around 9, 30, 10 o'clock after I've dropped them off. I work for about four hours. Wife gets up at around 11. And she goes ahead and does her thing for the day with the house or cooking or whatever. And then... Uh, we both, you know, go get, we'll go pick up the kids and then we either hang out and go do something as a family or we come home and just chill or whatever. And then you just do it all over again the next day. And that wasn't my life. My life was I got to wake up before my son or wife even wake up. I got to be at work at, you know, 637 in the morning. My, my son will either have to catch the bus or my wife would have to bring them. And then if she has to be at work at eight or nine o'clock, whatever, she had to make sure he got off on the bus so that she can go to work. And then maybe grandma would have to pick him up at three because neither one of us can get off. You know, It was a totally different life than what I was living at the time. And I looked at it and thought, I can do this. He can do it. Then I can do it as well. That's the lifestyle that I wanted. I remember telling my wife, like, I just listened to this podcast and this is how this guy is living. That's how we're going to live. I don't know when it's going to happen or where or how or why it's going to happen, but I'm pretty sure that this is going to happen. So because I was able to see other people who were doing it, 
it's really what helped me to see that I can do it as well. So to me, there the story as as great and, and, and aspirational as it sounds, um I find myself questioning the context of time, right? So cool. Someone has the ability to work for four hours to take their kids to school, to hang out with their wife, to hang out with their kids. Great, right? What were the circumstances that allowed for that? And how long did it take those circumstances to kick in? And then lastly, like what, you know, what sort of life did you start with to transition into that life, right? Because as great as that sounds, you know, did it take five years for you to do that? two years for you to do it, one year for you to do it, right? So are you at that place right now in your business and life? At that point right now, yeah, I'm living the life that I wanted, you know, so far. And how long um, did it take? It took around 18 months to two years, I would say. At about 18 months, I was making enough money for my wife to go ahead and finally quit her job. She had switched to, to part-time, and then after a while when her, um, I think, FMLA and stuff was already done, we were just like, you know what? Let, let's just give it a shot. Let's just see what happens. And right. how many hours are you working a day? Uh, okay, so leading up to that, I was still working a nine-to-five job. and working more than just eight hours, right? You know, you had the hour lunch and then you had to be there a certain time. I was like a manager at my job. So I had to be the first one there. And usually I was the last one to leave. And then I would either come home and then try to take care of the family, but then I'd stay up a little later. So what I would do is I'd wake up maybe an hour earlier just to work on a blog and try to get an article out there. I maybe would stay up an hour later to try to take care of that. Um, if I had downtime at work, which I don't recommend you do, by the way, but if I had downtime at work, I would sit there and work on the blog. That's what I would do. I got to the point to where I was able to churn out two or three articles a day at one point. And you're very right about what leads up to that point, because one thing in sales or in marketing, really, is that you try to, to sell the inspirational dream, right, or the aspirational dream, I should say. What is it that people really want? And then you kind of package that up into what people you know, want versus what they need. So that's what I saw. I saw the end goal of there, but I knew that, you know, in order to get to that point was going to take at least some work to kind of set everything up. And when it comes to a blog, it does take work up front to get it there. I'm, I'm not saying that it's very easy to do, but once you get it set up, it's like a snowball. Once it starts rolling, it kind of just goes down the hill without you having to interfere with it much after that. And then also creating systems and everything where, you know, instead of me now having to write the articles, I now hire someone to write the article because it actually uh, saves me money and time to, to pay someone to write the article versus me doing it myself. So that's something that you may not be able to have when you are first getting started. It's going to take a little bit of time, maybe three months, maybe six months, maybe a year. You know, it really just depends on how long it might take to actually put those systems in place where you're not necessarily working in your business, but working on your business. And you can step away as you put systems in place to let the, the snowball go as it may. Absolutely. I love I love um, uh, curves, right, where it comes down to um, becoming more efficient in your time. I think leverage is super important, um, you know, uh, figuring out, you know, sort of what's dollar producing activities and then things that, you know, don't really move the needle for you, you move to someone else. But my initial question was, so how many hours do you work a day? <laughs> oh, you meant like, like right now? Well, right I, now. I mentioned, yeah, so right I, I mentioned like, so like today, let me see, what did I do today? So today I woke up at around six, and I just looked at a few reports and things of things that have been filled out by a couple of VAs, making sure that they're okay. Virtual um, assistance. What's that? Virtual assistants. Just yeah, virtual. Yeah, sorry, right, virtual assistants. <laughs> yeah, so some virtual assistants because they they'll work because they're in another part of the world, so they'll work while I'm sleeping. And then when I wake up, I make sure that what they did was right. So uh, take care of those kind of things. So then when um, Sun wakes up at around seven thirty, and then yeah. he actually comes up or come downstairs, and then we kind of either, you know, kind of play around or hang out just for a few minutes before it's time for him to actually start going to, to school. So he gets to school. I drop him off. I came home around maybe nine and then I worked till about 12. I created a YouTube video, posted it, sent it out there. And um, once I created the YouTube video, 
uh, I went out to the grocery store because I, I mean, at around 12, maybe it's for the record. It's awesome to go to the grocery store in the middle of the day on a work day because there's like nobody there. <laughs> so we went there and um, I got some groceries because he needed some more food for lunch. And then after that, my wife had a doctor's appointment and I went to go pick up our son. So I dropped them off and picked them up today. And then we went and got Slurpees and then came home. And then I played with him for about an hour. And then it was time for this interview. And so, I, I was productive today because I created oh, a YouTube oh, video oh. and made sure that the balls that were rolling are rolling. Chris, hold, hold. So basically, you have elves that come in while you're sleeping. And they're just <laughs> moving their little elf fingers on the keyboard, writing blogs. And, and the elf may come from Lithuania. Who knows, right? So the elf is just... It's just doing his little elf thing. And then you wake up and there's like a report that's generated for you and you get to hang out with your family, do some work and, 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 and get a lot of good quality time in with the people you love most. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Now there's some days where I might go ahead and pull, you know, an eight hour day and I'm making sure that I try to make it as, as important as possible. You mentioned earlier, you know, making sure that you're putting your time you know, understanding how valuable your time really is. Um, is it a uh, an ICA, an income producing activity? Is it what you're working on? Or are you just sitting there answering emails all day? You know, depending on what those emails are leading to, it might just be a waste of time. You know, having a, a virtual assistant who can help answer questions from people who are, who might have questions who might be in the course, you know, maybe overnight someone got locked out, they need a password reset or something like that. I don't have to deal with that because the VA does. Um, so, or the virtual assistant does. So, um, yeah, I mean, you pay for it, but when you have, you know, blogging, the cool thing about blogging is that it does have a very high uh, um, margins. So because those margins are so high, you have extra money that you can spend on having other people do the more menial tasks for you so that you can focus on more activities that it will create income and build authority on the site. Well, so the reality is, is that ultimately. um what you're defining is an earlier term that you used, which is working on or in your business, right? In your business yeah. are the tasks that it takes to keep your business running. Working on your business is a matter of scale, right? So growing your business, getting new clients, the things that will allow your business to grow in the future. So there comes a point where, you know, in, especially in starting a business, you're probably working in and on your business. For right. most people, there comes a time where you're working in your business more than on your business, meaning that you're focused on the transactions you have today, the work you need to do today, the emails that you need to answer today, and not necessarily um, trying to drive new business, uh, lead generate for the few, the business and the transactions that you'll need six months from now. Yeah. At some point, you then shift your attention from the emails um, to focusing on the things that will ultimately drive growth for you long term, right? Yeah, 100 percent. Um, the cool thing about blogging and even YouTube and podcasting, I would say, outside of the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the TikToks, all of those is uh, I believe I think Facebook says when you make a Facebook post, that post will probably last maybe four hours. You know, if you put it on Twitter, it might last 15 minutes. You know, if you put it on TikTok, it might last for, let's say, a day, you know, or so. If you put something on a blog, the average time is around two years. All right. Which is, is nuts. Right. That's kind of crazy. So every time I create a blog post, kind of like you mentioned earlier, a little elf, I create like a little copy of myself that's out there marketing me, you know, and it's out there as either a video or as a blog post. And by doing so, people can then find that read it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times someone would binge on my content and they know me inside and out, but I can, I, don't, I barely know them. Right. And that's kind of the way that the process works. And I try to do things to, to get to know people, obviously, but you know, that, that does happen. And you do that and you create those systems. You, you make sure that you focus on things that are going to pay you for, for months and years rather than just a few days. So, where are you at in your business now? Like, are you, is it meant for you to do this? Are you going to uh, replace yourself and move on to a new venture? You say you're, um, you have a serial entrepreneur uh, mindset. And so 
Uh, does that mean you're going to, you know, shift into another business while maintaining and growing this current one? What's what's next for you? Yeah. So as of right now, I have two businesses, right? I have the one business that handles just the the blogging and the niche sites. So, you know, they have a portfolio of sites that generate an income, you know, kind of collectively. The other side of the business or the other business, I should say, is actually teaching people how to do it. So those are the two things that I have going for me right now. Now, my wife has a business that she started about a year ago and it's doing pretty good. But because I do have the extra time, I can actually help her to do other aspects of it as well. Um, especially when she has to to do this or go live and, you know, with, with her audience, then I can kind of be the mediator kind of in the background, just kind of hanging out or whatever. So um, because of that, I, and the opportunities that I have now, I can now take money and like invest it in places that are going to continue growing over time. One side effect of all of this is I remember when, after I paid off that big $30,000 debt, my credit score jumped up almost 100 points overnight <laughs> You know when I did that. So now all of a sudden I had excellent credit. And um, by doing so, I was able to, you know, get in some better investments and like, you know, refi the house and get it at a much cheaper interest rate. Because at the time, interest rates were like so low, it was ridiculous not to do it at the time. So I'm now making better decisions financially because I do have the income to support it. So um those are the things that I've been, you know, working on now. I don't have any other businesses, I should say, that are on the horizon. But if I get to the point to where, you know, um, a book, a real good book to, to check out is a Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, and it'll show you just how valuable your time really is, and how you can you can work your business in a way to where you only work on it, you know, four hours a day. I have different, sorry, four hours a month. Um, I have a blog that I might spend maybe an hour a week on it, but then that gives me time to work on another blog for two hours a week or three hours a week. We're really just, just depending on, on what's going on with it. But again, just creating those systems to where things are still moving, even if you're not actively working on it. So the future is growing your wife's business. That's what the goal is. I actually started a blog for her business already. I got like two or three articles out there. I just need to really hit it a little harder, but I did start another project on, um, within my uh, coaching side of the business that's that's going right now. So as that's going on, then I'm going to try to grow that side of it, get some new leads into her business consistently using Google. And, you know, that's really what the, the, the I guess the prospects are right now. All right, cool. Um, how do you, how do you manage um, as an entrepreneur uh, staying disciplined in, uh, the the thing that you should be doing, right? Because, you know, if, if any entrepreneur uh, will tell you that, you know, any any problem that they come across, um, they're contemplating a solution for, right? That's that's how this business works, right? It's, it's all about addressing a need and, and discovering a way to make things more simpler, easier, uh, greater access, more equitable, whatever that that looks like, right? It's all about addressing a problem. So how do you how do you keep your discipline um, to not only see your business through month four or month eighteen, but to to work on a business that you know you might one day pass on to your son? Yeah, um, I'm gonna be honest, it's not easy. Okay, because <laughs> there's always something that pops up that. Is going to be starving for your attention, but are should you starve your attention to it? Um, I forgot what book I read, but it, I, I, what it, they basically mentioned was every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else inherently, even though you're not, you know, actually saying no to it by saying yes to this, you're not going to be able to do that. So once I kind of learned that particular aspect of, you know, what needed to be done, I started kind of focusing, and what I started doing was actually planning. I remember when I first quit my job. I took like maybe three or four months off where I didn't do much work at all. And then when I finally started, okay, I need to start working back on stuff to get to keep the ball rolling. I remember thinking, man, I don't know what to do, you know, <laughs> because, you know, you have a boss, a boss usually tells you what to do, when it needs to be done, how it needs to be done. And, and you just go with it. But when you are the CEO, when you are the boss and you're also the secretary and you're the, the CMO and you're all of these things, it's up to you to come up with these things. So what really helped me was coming up with actual goals for the business. So I sat down and said, OK, 
where do I want this business to be in four months? Where do I want it to be in six? Where do I want it to be in 12? So now I had something to measure against. So then when I got to those goals, did I meet the goals? Did I miss the goals? Why didn't I meet those goals? What can I do to try to fix it next time? So it took a little bit of discipline. Don't get me wrong, but it is a skill that I learned after um, I, I was in the process. I, I didn't go in knowing how to do this. It kind of just, the process started, I saw a need for it and was like, okay, I got to get more organized if I want any of this to, to be sustainable, you know? And, you know, at first, when we first quit, the idea was let's just quit for a year and just see what happens. You know, worst case scenario, just give it a try and I just go get another job if I have to. But that was now 2018, you know, and it's 2022 for four years. It's been now, that um, we've been able to kind of, you know, stave off employment, you know? So that's the way I've been kind of looking at it, just coming up with those goals and then just trying to hold myself to those. You know, it is tough, you know, because you got to be tough on yourself. But as soon as I started looking at my business more as an entity rather than just something I'm doing on the side is really when things started to do a lot better. So the goal conversation is one in which I think I struggle with because I often find um, myself and others, I don't think I have the same approach now, but but mostly, um, especially with, with, with folks that I know, setting benchmarks that don't really have a value, right? So it's, I want to make $10,000 in two months, right? And when you only make 400, you're like, I missed my goal, man, this isn't working out. When really... The $10,000 in the four months was the problem, not where you are in your business. That's the problem, right? You set this goal and this goal didn't have um, any context, any real clarity. It didn't have metrics that supported it. Um, It wasn't advised by anyone. It wasn't coached by anyone. It was just a number that you unilaterally thought of as being this, this sort of benchmark for success. So... How have you seen this process of goal setting for yourself develop and change as you start to understand your business more? Yeah, I had to, I know exactly what you're talking about, by the way. Um, I had to create like a goal, but then I had an aspirational goal as well. So I would set a goal that slightly reached above the stars, but was at least somewhat realistic, like if everything went perfect and great, I'd have a logistic, a legitimate shot at reaching that goal. But I also had a secondary goal and a secondary goal was, okay, what kind of, you know, um, or KPI or key performance indicators am I looking at to know that things are starting to go south? And once I created those two numbers, every time I would sit back and review and be like, okay, where am I now? I would then have to realistically give myself my own work review, right? And figure out, okay, what did I do that didn't reach that? So, you know, I mean, saying that I'm going to make $10,000 in two months or whatever, you know, that's not, you know, depending on your business or whatever, that's not unrealistic. So, you know, but you have to look at your situation is what I'm doing realistic. You know, sometimes when I talk to uh, some, some people and I'll ask them, you know, they'll ask, uh, I'll ask them like, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And one person be like, oh yeah, I want to be a millionaire. You know, and this that's, that's what I want to do. I was like, okay, great. So, like, what are you doing to work towards it? I'm like, well, I hadn't really done anything. I'm just, you know, watching a video or this or trying to do that. Like, well, have you started? Have you tried anything? No, not not really. And sometimes you realize that, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. But are you setting yourself to any type of standard to reach that goal? Um, otherwise, you're just talking, right? And like we mentioned before, you know, and I'm sure you are too, you know, we're, we're starters. We like to just start things and see what happened. I am not averse to trying it just to see what happened. I try to fear regret more than I fear failure. And by doing that, uh, you know, I never, I, I don't want to be on the other side of something. If it worked or if it didn't work, I can at least look back and be like, you know what? At least I tried and then go from there. And I think too, um, what people oftentimes do, uh, and I have done this myself, is you start to set your goals based on your life, not based on the business that you're actually in, yes. right? So, so yeah, you need you need your business to support your livelihood, but um, it's possible you also have to give your business room 
to grow to that point, right? And so you can't yeah. abandon a business that doesn't support life because it's not your business's fault that you needed to support your your life in this moment. It, your business yeah. had, had nothing to do with the choices that you made uh, prior to it being formed. Yeah, our finances were so tight when you first got started that I remember thinking, man, if I can just make an extra hundred bucks a month, that would solve a lot of problems, right? I'd be able to pay my cell phone bill and not have to worry about it. And I would have to be able to pay the light bill and not have to worry about it. If it was just an extra hundred bucks. But then all of a sudden, you know, it it got to a hundred bucks, but then it got to 500 bucks and it got to a thousand bucks. I'm like, man, I'm paying my mortgage and I don't have to worry about it. And then it just kept growing from there. So sometimes we do set our goals super low. And I think a lot of times it's because of where we are in life, the things that we grew up learning and knowing what we might see on TV, the type of things that we watch. But when I got into a mastermind and started seeing other guys was like, man, I, you know, I, I'm hoping I can bring in, you know, $30,000 next month, you know, with, with the business. And I'm like, wait, you're, you're doing that kind of money, you know? And I know one guy, he's, he's a blogger just like I am. He makes over a hundred grand a month with his blogs. I'm, and uh, I mean, I'm not to that point, but I mean, that's aspirational for me because someone is actually doing it. And now I get to pick this guy's brain when I run into a roadblock and that's helpful. So being able to surround yourself with people who are a little bit further than you are is actually going to help change the way that you think, because I mean, otherwise you're just going based on, you know, what you were raised with and not what might actually be well and true. Yeah. I think being, being around people that, um, that have success stories that have failure stories is important. It's also yeah. important too that that you um that you allow your business to take care of your life, but that you also figure out what your business needs to grow itself, right? So like if if all of the money that you're making you pour into your life, then you're now an expense for your business that is no yeah. longer profitable. You are profiting. Your business is not profitable, right? And and there and I think that that's like a really important key um, determination in in really kind of having a successful business. Specifically, if you're pivoting from um, being in employment for another person versus yourself, is that all the money that your business generates is not meant for you. Um, it's meant for taxes. It's meant to uh, reinvest in your business. It's meant to have um, uh, asset accrual, and then you're supposed to pay yourself, right, yeah. uh, salary or whatever, so that your business can take care of your life. But ultimately, you know, you don't want your next big deal. You basically don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck working for yourself because that ultimately defeats the purpose of working for yourself is that you're taking all the money out so that when you have a thousand dollar emergency, you don't have it and your business doesn't have it for you either. That's not yeah. you want to be in. No, no, not not at all. Cause you can become, you know, like just kind of bound to your business to the point to where it you know, you, you're barely making it and the business is barely making it because at that point, you just need to go get another job or figure something out quickly, depending on how much of a nest egg that you have. And, you know, when we first started with this whole process, uh, you know, I was unintentionally setting goals for myself. And I guess like I was mentioning earlier, you know, you had that um, hundred dollars, you know, just so I can make an extra hundred bucks. And when you made that, then you set another goal and you set another goal and you just kept going with it. So, you do have to be smart with the money. Reinvesting it is super important, but it's also important to note when I started this, I still had a regular job that was paying the bills um, or at least paying the minimum payments on those bills. So I was doing something on the side. And then after a while, when the side gig started making money, more money than the primary gig, then that's when I decided that, okay, maybe I need to start making some different moves because it almost became a waste of time to go to work every day because I was like, OK, if I actually spent eight hours on the side gig, I would generate much more income than if I were to, you know, if I'm going to a, a job every day. So um, once that once it got to that point and I had saved up a, a decent little nest egg, I was like, you know what, let's give it a try and, and go from there. I still stand by it. It's irresponsible to start a business, well, especially depending on your situation. 
you know, I had a wife and a family and a, and a kid, so I couldn't necessarily just quit my job tomorrow. But if you're, you know, single in your 20s you and maybe you can move back home or something like that, you can try to get your finances as lean as possible so that you can leverage the income that you get from your business to help grow that business faster. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, or you can just have a ton of money saved, right? Like or a you, ton of money saved, yeah. If you have a ton of money saved, it might be possible for you um, to do it. Um, the the question, and I think, you know, so much of, of this conversation has been um, focused on, I think, a very important key term, which is dollar productive activities. Like if the things that you're doing yeah, yeah. isn't producing dollars, you need to do something that will produce dollars until the thing that you want to do produces dollars for you. Right. Like um, if if the thing that you want to do in the beginning, you you need to anticipate that it's not going to produce income. And that's OK. That's the life cycle of a business. Um, but and, and to that point, you can't make smart business choices if you're coming from it from a place of scarcity. Right. If you're coming from mm-hmm. it from a place of like, oh, my God, I can't pay my rent and this business doesn't work tomorrow then you're not giving your business the opportunity to really grow and to mature to the point that it's going to get you to the place that you want to be. Yeah. You got to be smart with it. Everyone's situation is going to be different and unique for them. So you have to just look at it, weigh your pros and cons, how risk averse are you? And then take the chance. Um, I mean, I, I firmly believe no risk, no reward, right? Uh, sometimes we will sit back and we'll think about all of the things that can go wrong, but then you don't necessarily think about, well, what happens if it does work? You know, what happens if it does figure everything out and everything's nice and smooth? Well, it's funny. One of the things, um, I was talking to somebody a while ago and sometimes they'll ask the question, you know, oh man, it took you two years to finally quit your job. That's going to take forever. And I was like, well, what was your original plan before? You know, was your original plan to get a job, work there for 35 years, and then hope that you can retire with enough money and health to be able to enjoy it. So all of a sudden, anything less than 30 years is is better than what you were trying to do, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I mean, if it takes you two years, if it takes you five years, if it takes you 10 years, that's still better than what your original plan probably was, you know? So it's it's at least, you got to look at your unique situation, figure out what's best for you, how much risk you can take on at a time, and then go from there. Absolutely. And listen, um, you, you may you may opt for the 35. A part of really understanding. I live in New York. I love living in New York. A part of understanding <laughs> um, uh, your own path and, and the ability to pivot in your path is is that you may wait until you retire to start your first venture. And that's absolutely OK, too. Like that, Perfect, may, yes. that may be in your 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 your. Um, that may be in your story, right? And and there are tons of people who didn't start their business until they hit 65, 60, right? And 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 that's okay too, right? It's it's it the, the most important thing is that you start, that you you choose a moment where you where you draw a line in the sand and you go from this point forward, I'm going to be in charge of my life and my finances. And whenever you hit mm-hmm. that point, boom, boom, boom. All right, so I have two questions for you. Chris, I have two questions that I ask everyone on this podcast. The first is on any streaming platform with something that you've recently watched that you thoroughly enjoy. On a recent streaming platform, um, the Obi-Wan series on Disney Plus. It was excellent. Like, really, really excellent. It's Star Wars is starting to be saved. After the after the last one, I think it was Return of the, uh, the Last Skywalker or whatever. Uh, I was I was at that point ready to give up on Star Wars completely. Um, but then they brought back the Mandalorian and I was like, oh, OK, we're doing a little better now. And then this Obi-Wan series that took the cake for me. I'm 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 back to being with a Star Wars. So that's been probably one of the best ones I've seen so far. And uh, that's under like Dave Filoni. Is that Dave Filoni? Oh, Star Wars? Yeah. Is that, is no, he the- that's George Lucas. No, no, no. I think he's I think he's ushering in this era of of um, Star Wars. So he's like, oh, OK, that's possible. I'm not sure. Mandalorian. And then there's the third one. There's one more. They got right? Andor coming out soon. Yeah, Andor. Andor. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, Boba, the Book of Boba Fett. That's the other one. The yeah. Book yeah. Boba. Book of Boba Fett. I, it was OK. The first <laughs> the first five episodes were like a little slow you know but then it picks up at the end i don't want to spoil it if no one's seen it but okay. it does right. pick up at the end so all right cool 
Um, and okay, cool. So what on any streaming platform? <laughs> oh, is that Alexa? <laughs> yes! yes, I love when Alexa comes in with something smart. Alexa, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Oh my god. First of all, I said, is that Dave Filoni? And she came in with like a I actually have an answer for that. Um she does. I appreciate you. Listen. I, I have one sitting right here, and sometimes I'll accidentally say something that sounds like you know what. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she just looks fun. Anything can anything can make her want to have a conversation with you. And I listen, I appreciate it. Without that device, I would be lost in like the things that I needed to do. I'm like, set a timer for this. And then I'm like doing something else. And I'm like, oh, that thing, I got to get to it. All right. So on any streaming platform, what's something that if I asked people in your life, maybe they don't know that you enjoy it, but you actually do. Oh, wow. Um, all right, so you know, growing up with a five-year-old in the house right now, right now, or living with a five-year-old, I should say, um, you know, a lot of these uh, kids' shows are kind of entertaining. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I've always liked watching cartoons and everything, but um, there's one called PJ Masks, and they have this old-school kind of sound to it, and it's just these three kids who like to, you know, they dress in their PJs or their pajamas, yeah. and they go out and they fight crime. And actually, I have one of the the guys right here. You know, I mean, this is great for a podcast. But I mean, this guy, one of the guys right here, it's hilarious. I just keep him here right on the side of my desk because the show's really good to say that it's supposed to be for you know five or seven year olds. But I can sit here and watch every episode and be thoroughly entertained. So definitely, PJ Mass would probably be the, the one that a lot of people would not expect me to say. All right, um, I'm going to throw in a bonus question. Right, so okay. anyone with a five to seven year old range child. Um, other than PJ masks, is it PJ mask? Yeah. Okay, cool. What's, what's something else that they might want to show their kid that could be really uh, fun and entertaining for both them and for their child. Oh, the newest thing right now that we're doing a lot of is called Beyblade. I don't know if you've heard of Beyblade. It's an anime, but, um, you know, it's, it's geared toward kids or whatever, but it's these little metal, um, devices that you can, it's, it spins like a top, but they're, they're designed in really cool ways so that when they're spinning, if more than one is spinning, they'll kind of attack each other. And if you hit one just the right way, it'll actually burst. It'll like explode into different, into two or three different pieces. So it started off as an anime, but then I remember my son saw it over at, um, I think it was Target or Walmart or something. And he was like, hey, I want to get that. And I looked at it and I was like, why is this thing $50? Because it, it was expensive. I'm like, I think it's 50 bucks. We're not getting this. So after a while, I went home and did a little bit of research on it. And I was like, oh, okay, I kind of see what it is now. And when we finally went out and, and he did a few things that we wanted him to do. And once he did it, we went ahead and got it for him. And when we came home and I was putting it together, I was like, yo, this is actually like metal. Like this is well-made. And I started realizing that, yo, this is a whole... A whole thing. So I go on YouTube and I find like these channels that have all over uh, over a million subscribers of people who just love this show and who play the game. It's called Beyblade. So um, I would definitely, I don't know, unless you want to spend some money, <laughs> this might be a bad thing to introduce some people to this. But uh, definitely, you know, introducing the Beyblade. It's on Netflix, kids. You know, you, you can check it out. It's really good. That's awesome. All right, cool. Beyblade. Um, definitely saw it. I think in my mind, it was like fake Pokemon in my mind. <laughs> I can see that. But it's uh, kind of like Pokemon meets Transformers. But so, yeah, so I, I was thinking like Pokemon, Digimon, yeah, Ops thing. I mean, we're, we're, we're millennials. That's, that's, that's the way I, that's the way I looked at it, yeah. but it actually has a decent story and the character development's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a movie like junkie. Like uh, I like to say I'm a connoisseur of movies. I, I, I'm the kind of person who always uh, is trying to predict what's going to happen next. And um, I'm right most of the time, but it's cool to see, you know, the way that the show is made out and the fact that they've created this entire ecosystem of toys and stuff that it's hugely popular. That I didn't even know even existed, you know, but I've been I've been having fun watching it with him and while we're Beyblading in the background. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So uh, let the audience know where they can engage in your content. Yeah, for sure. Um, thanks for having me on. But you can really find me over at the Blogger Evolution podcast. That's where I'd like a lot of people to go, you know, check me out there. Um, and then if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can um, at Chris Miles official. 
And that's pretty much the places. Uh, YouTube as well. You just, just search Benji's Dad. I'll, I'll pop up or my website will, and you'll be able to find me. But mainly, you know, check me out on the podcast, Blogger Evolution. All right, cool, cool, cool. So listen, guys, uh, I hope you appreciated this episode. I was so glad to have Chris on to talk about uh, what it took to shift his life and to grow his business, but not just grow his business for his own sake, but grow it for the sake of his family, right? Because so much of his story is based in meeting a need, right? A need of not only uh, producing money, but producing money that would also deliver time and happiness. So thank you so much, Chris, for being on Man vs. Brand podcast. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight. Uh, guys, right now, pause me. Go find Chris Miles. Go to Chris Miles Official. Uh, go to Blogger Evolution a podcast. Find him right now. Then come back. Don't leave. Come back. And uh, and finish up this episode uh, because um, it's going to be really, really awesome. Uh, so we have uh, some really great uh, new stuff coming up. Uh, guys, make sure you check out the merch. Uh, please uh, share this on any of your social media platforms if you like what we do here and you find it to be valuable. I appreciate you all. Have a great one. Bye. If this talk just resonated with you or could help someone you know, follow Dion or his guest on all social media platforms. Till next time. And remember, with any business or brand, give it to your heart, make it real, or else forget about it. See you all soon.